1: Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of ComicBook.com. I am your host, <laughs> Kofi. Alpha, and you shall not
0: pass. Not very not. Not.
2: yeah. That was very. That was <laughs> epic. Yeah,
1: man. That was just a taste of my vibrato. Don't let's not get into it. Um, <laughs> with me today, I got my regular host. I got Matthew Aguilar here. What up? And I am not too Hollywood. <laughs> Janelle you are way too Hollywood. Look at your background. Janelle Wheeler's here with us.
0: Oh. Hey, everybody. Definitely
1: too Hollywood. But the man of the people is also back. We have Mr. Turn Up Charlie Ridgley with us today. What's going on, everybody? Somewhere there's an applause for that, but uh we don't have the machine. Oh, anymore. that was my mom. Oh, nice. Hi, Mrs. Ridgely. Um, Today we got a lot to talk about. Charlie's with us because uh, he's seen Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, so he's here to give us a lowdown. He also has his review up on comicbook.com. We also are going to talk about that Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer, Netflix's uh, Millar World debut, Jupiter's Legacy. We're having a special guest jump on to review Spiral from the Book of Saw, and we have new DC Marvel comics to talk about, and Matt gets to indulge his gamer side. Once again, Matt's agenda is still alive. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good geek-tastic smorgasbord we have for you today, so let's get right to it. We're going to start at the top talking about the Venom mm. Carnage trailer. Venom! To Are we going to get an Eminem
2: remix? That's the most important I
1: mean, part. I hope I hope so. I hope we get a call. No, bring of in, bring in somebody Carnage. different.
3: Like, bring in, you know, you
1: did... No, you, no man, it's, it's,
3: so it's so his in. thing. No, though. listen. No, yeah. Go full south with Carnage. Bring Yellow Wolf in to do the sequel. That's what no. I'm saying. I Eminem mean, no, we we oh, and well, Yellow Wolf make great stuff together. Slim Shady is the Venom guy. be great. No, I'm no. saying a collab. You know, you have Venom from
1: Eminem. You got Carnage from Yellow Wolf. Let them Yeah, I mean a dual thing. Let them I mean, do a one too. I mean, like a guilty conscience type thing. I mean, we haven't had one of those in a long time. Oh man. Uh, yeah, oh, we need, oh, yeah, we need Yeah, we need one of those kind of like Venom. Oh, ooh, NF. Hell oh, yeah. Please yeah. give me that. I mean, oh, and man. I mean, since the Freddy vs. Jason, Fabulous and kiss, like, yeah, we we need another one of those collaborations. So I like that idea, Charlie. I mean, we're cooking here. So, guys, what did you think about the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer? The internet uh and people i talked to seem to be mixed reactions. I don't think it really moved anybody like a single person either way. Like if you were into this franchise and enjoyed the first film for what it was, this feels like it was more of that. And, you know, you're, you're going to get more of what you got the first time. But if you didn't like the first one, including Woody Harrelson's Carnage, I don't think moved very many
3: people. I think it moved people just in further in the directions that they already were leaning.
1: Yeah, I mean, so like, America, right? Yeah, yeah so. I mean, like,
3: <laughs> I loved Venom because of Tom Hardy's foolishness. Like he went so hard into it and like he knew the assignment and it was awesome. And it seems like now the whole movie is that. Yeah. And that's amazing. And so I'm, I'm so stoked. Yeah. And let me be like clear too. Like, Woody Harrelson, like go full Woody Harrelson.
1: Yeah. Following up with Charlie saying, like this is the appeal of this movie franchise for me. Like right now is the fact that it's not seeing venom and symbiotes and CGI fights. It's literally Tom Hardy being on screen talking to himself yeah. and then doing voiceovers of the venom symbiote is the craziest spectacle that I, I loved about the first movie. Love, let's. I'm turning into Jim. That's funny. Uh <laughs> that I liked about the first movie, it was liked, great. Yeah, I liked about the first movie. Um, were those scenes of him? I mean, it, it was like Jim Carrey throwback, right? Like him yeah. going in the restaurant and getting in the lobster tank and doing all that stuff was a lot of fun. And that's what they give you in this trailer is they do it kind of it style by opening with just a scene uh, of the movie of him just preparing breakfast and Venom singing this song and, and making him his breakfast and I love that. A lot of people fell off. I mean, I had people messaging me like, what are you like? Did you hit your head? Like, what's wrong with you? Like friends of mine being like, how could really? you do this? Oh, yeah. That's that's the fun of it. I yeah. either, you yeah. Like, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And, but some people they like, could have not oh, yeah.
2: one
3: fight in this movie and it would be
1: awesome. But
2: I, yeah, this I is
1: I mean, it could be literally just scenes of. Individually, Tom Hardy talking to himself and Woody Harrelson talking to himself, and then collective scenes of them talking to themselves together. All and that. And, each other. Chen, and that's all you, yeah. Know. And
2: Mr. Chen is a movie to me. You're like yeah. I just love the, the translation cool. stuff of like that half of it's like incomprehensible, and like that he has to translate constantly. Like rawr, rawr, rawr. he's like, oh yeah, no, we had. So I, I love reason, that show.
3: That line reading at the end of the trailer, when Venom just yells "No!" about the chocolate, like the way the way that that line is
1: done, du- I lost it.
3: It's such it's a so dumb good. thing. Oh yeah, that was it hilarious, was so
1: funny. And then it's just good to see. And in that moment, it's good because you see them like talking together for the first time because nobody can hear Venom but him. And so like, yeah, Venom's like, no! And he's like, we had a <laughs> deal. And that's like, you can see their personalities kind of blending. Oh and, and it's just about so
0: chocolate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just about chocolate. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I, I mean, look, I'm very I'm, passionate about chocolate myself. So
2: Right, chocolate's awesome. I did <laughs> appreciate the elfness of that opening scene. That was a very like elf dish he had. At the <laughs> oh party. yeah. Pancakes and everything. Uh, I will say, that, uh, I saw it in the in the comments uh that crow yeah crow 0731 at least it showed carnage and didn't just tease it until it leaked i appreciated that because that is typically how these roll out is like yeah. they give you a glimpse and then you don't see it and it's like i did actually like that we got a full carnage thing so we can kind of rule that out we're good we saw them it's great and but the venom like the tom hardy venom that stuff the back and forth was, was awesome. I mean, I just uh, that was something that the first trailer couldn't really do, obviously. And so from the first movie. So like yeah, having the first movie, movie didn't want to be that.
3: Tom Hardy just wanted to be that. Yeah. Right.
2: But like it's great.
3: I dug that. Oh, so I that's was what fun. made it good. Yeah. Catch up. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that Woody Harrelson, like, just I don't know. How, I want to be delicate about this. Woody Harrelson feels like a crazy person in a good way. Like on screen, he knows how to just be wild and weird and crazy. And now he gets to like follow Tom Hardy on that path from the first movie. It's like, I want it to become a game of who's the next actor. Who's great at just breaking down on screen to join this. Like you watch what Andrew Garfield's done in like under the silver lake and this, this new movie that he's got mainstream and he's really buying into this idea of being a crazy actor that really just knows the assignment and goes all in like what does he look like in this going you know like just get those actors that know how to get wild and there's endless possibilities for what venom can be
1: i mean yeah so we also got one who i'm curious to see is stephen graham's character if you don't know who stephen graham is he's he's a great character actor who's played like um whatchamacallit i, I always think al capone and Board, boardwalk empire so good al capone. yeah and you know he's played a different kind of roles but he's gonna be what well, toxin in this right uh the police officer who gets a symbiote and cox i'm really curious to see what he does with this kind of thing and naomi harris too yeah naomi harris as a uh, shriek is, yeah. is gonna be pretty good too so as somebody pointed out in the comments i mean they could have card this maximum carnage because yeah i mean this is basically what we're gonna get is it looks like a big ravencroft breakout and you know and then kind of madness in the streets and venom saving that for the third one yeah unless it sets up maximum
2: carnage yeah they're saving that for the third one they gotta be
1: yeah well it seems like i mean i'm good as somebody who really enjoyed the original carnage storyline because that's when i really got into comics and and specifically i think that's the first issue of amazing spider-man i ever purchased that because my older brother had a collection yeah my my older brother had a collection but i purchased the first part of carnage was my first amazing spider-man comic Um, I'm psyched to see this. And like I said, both for the comic stuff, but also just seeing Woody Harrelson and Tom Hardy talking to themselves and trying to
2: out ham each other is going to be glorious. And by the way, I'm sorry. I I feel like I I didn't mean to trample uh, Janelle because I don't think. What did you think of the trailer? Oh I'm gosh, I just you're jumped fine. in there and cut you off. I didn't mean
0: I know to... I love how excited you guys are. Like, I don't have as strong of a knowledge of these characters, so of course, like, I'm going in very optimistic and I'm like, sure, let's go. The first Venom was not terrible in my opinion like i enjoyed it so i'm really excited for the next one and i i love the humor and um i think that it's really nice that they leaned into that you can tell they did in the, the trailer and i yeah i think it's gonna be really good i'm curious and i think a lot of other people are like ian Grimm in the chat says i'm so curious to see how they differentiate between the two characters on screen i mean besides color uh because you know we just saw a little like things sticking out <laughs> of Carnage, but like the teeth, like everything kind of looked sort of similar besides color. So I'm with you on that one. And well, uh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, symbiotes are symbiotes, right? So right. there is basically just color swaps for, yeah. for who they are. But I think what Ian Grimm is also referring to, and we, we should point out a big a, a l- amount of this hinges on how does Woody Harrelson in Carnage, like what is their, Relationship about and like what does that voice sound like and and how does it factor into like what Cletus Cassidy does? Because if that's not right in the same way that Tom Hardy nails the Venom thing, then yeah, you could have a bad villain. But I think like Charlie said, there's nobody that gets weird quite like Woody Harrelson from the Larry Flint movies to True Detective to everything in between that Woody Harrelson loves to get weird in. Natural Um, born killers, man. Natural born killers. Like yeah, somebody on the said uh, Monkey Jeebus said that they're hoping that. The audience sees him as Mickey from Natural Born Killers, and, what and a great not, throwback!
3: Let's not forget, it. like a lot of this hinges too on Andy Circus. You know, Andy. We all know Andy Circus is a factor or, you know, I don't think a lot of people remember in all this. You know, I don't know if anyone else watched Mowgli. Andy Circus is demented. So good, yeah. Like, there's a scene in Mowgli in, in the end of this movie. It's on Netflix, um, and it is like. Dark and terrifying, and it's it's played. It made me feel like Andy Circus has something up his sleeve for Venom because his mind can work in a very dark way that also knows how to kind of bring some levity to things. It Mowgli kind of sets the stage for this, and he's only done one movie as a director so who you know it's kind of hard to tell where he's going to go it's not like when jordan peele made get out for his directorial debut it's like oh that's now one of our defining directors for the foreseeable future you know Mowgli was not that for andy circus but he he showed a lot and so i think that it can go in a million different directions depending on kind of how andy circus treats it
1: all right, just to close out, some commenters, Matthew Anderson, Half Send Josh, what's up, Said uh, are asking, do you think we're going to get a Spider-Man or, or other kind of bigger universe cameos in this? Um, Andy Circus, if you go on comicbook.com, Marvel, there is an article that Andy Circus did an interview for uh, right when the trailer dropped where he basically kind of said that this Venom is still a standalone story. The characters are not aware of Spider-Man or Spider-Man's existence or anything else. But he kind of left that, like, with a weird, heavy open-endedness that could suggest that by the end of this movie, maybe that's not the case. Maybe this movie is the beginning of Venom getting into larger things. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if that's true. We already have little Easter eggs. There's a Daily Bugle from Sam Raimi's Spider-Man universe that has a page that kind of teases, mentions the Avengers in a fight. None of this makes Venom official MCU, but, like, I feel like they're going to start to open this up a little bit, right. you know, and tease it just enough to make sure that Venom wasn't a flash in the pan. They get two good movies, solid movies out. There's a franchise here, and then I think we'll start to see those connections come in. I think we'll I, I don't know, I don't action. know the rules, but like, could could Venom
3: have its own Spider-Man? I don't know. I mean, this is I think all of this is still up in the air,
1: really. And like, I, I'm all well, the multiverse stuff, it, I feel like, it, like you said, it's very. Open. Yeah, I think it depends a lot on what's going on at Marvel Studios, what happens after Doctor Strange 2, after No Way yeah. Home, and like whatever. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna hear much until those films are out, and then we'll begin to hear more about like mm-hmm. what what's the next phase of this. So that's my take on all of it. That's just speculation, but I I I'd, I'd put a good amount of chips on that being
4: the case.
3: I think if we see anything, it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like Carnage at the end of the first movie where it is a tease to a character that as comic fans, we know, but it's not like a, oh, here's Tom Holland.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see. We're going to keep an eye on it and there will probably be another trailer we'll be breaking down in the coming months as uh, you know things progress with this film. All right. That is Venom. Let there be carnage. Now it's time to turn up with Charlie Ridgely. Charlie, these Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder, you know, we've all, we were, we went heavy on Zack Snyder's Justice League release. Now we're gonna see uh, Snyder jump back into the, the quasi-zombie genre with Army of the Dead. These reviews have come in, I think it's like 74% on Rotten Tomatoes, the initial wave. Uh, Charlie was our reviewer for comicbook.com. Charlie, the stage is yours. Give us a quick rundown of non-spoiler review. This will be non-spoilers of non-spoilers. Army of the Dead.
3: Um so I not to be controversial, kind of wish that Zack Snyder would have spent more time with zombie movies over the years, because I think he's very good at it. Um Dawn of the Dead to me is still his best movie. And uh Army of the Dead is a really great follow-up to that. Uh as, you know I'm again trying not to be spoilery. It's a it's a really exciting movie. It's a he's got a lot of great action sequences kind of packed in there. Uh, and it's really interesting. It's something I didn't know going in. He shot this himself. He didn't have a cinematographer working with him. He was the director of cinematography for this movie. So not only did he direct it, but he actually had the camera in hand shooting this film. Um, but all of the Snyder things that you've come to know as Snyder things are packed in here. I mean, there's a lot of slow-mo shots. There's a lot of needle drops with like, slow emotional covers of popular songs there's you know it's it's entirely too long like there's a lot of snyder things (laughs) oh wow but i they they work with this it is a little too it's it's two and a half hours it's a little too long if this was like a 90 minute movie you would not be able to breathe through it because it, it is very tense but there's a lot of times where he stays on a scene you know way longer than a lot of people would, but it's indulgent and it's fun in that, you know, my problems with some of the DC stuff with him is you kind of have this, this seriousness to it, which I don't mind the seriousness at all. I like the seriousness, but it's kind of how you take this story of gods and men and this really, you know, how someone from this other planet, it, it just, it feels too bleak for what the characters are at times. And he kind of dwells in that bleakness instead of instead of doing something different with it, instead of changing it up and having fun with it. And what I think he does really well in army of the dead and and what army of the dead lends itself to is taking those a bleak world and a bleak story, you know, zombie outbreak in Vegas and, and letting it be crazy and fun and different. And again, that's not to say that seriousness is bad because this movie takes its subject and its world and its mythology really seriously. But when it's something like the zombies, you can just kind of get wilder with it. Whereas, you know, I don't know if it's because of the nature of Superman or the fact that Superman is an existing character that you have to kind of work around what's already been in place. This is just kind of wide open. And all of Zack Snyder's tendencies that were often criticisms with the DC stuff. I think they're, they're perfect for something like army of the dead. It it looks gorgeous. It's a, it's a big loud movie Uh, but all of the characters are very interesting and the time that he spends with them is very, very intentional. Uh, it's really cool to watch Batista. I was talking to somebody on on Twitter about this, like Batista could have easily just kind of followed the rocks lead and taken roles where he gets to be the big guy and just gets to, you know, beat up on dudes and say quips and be the wrestler turned movie star. And that's not to say that the rock shouldn't have done that. The rock's perfect in what he does, but Batista really wants to be his own actor and to grow as a performer. And he really showcases that in Army of the Dead. You know, he really has a chance to, to bring some depth to things, to things and add some layers to his arsenal. And, uh, he's really fun to watch. Omari Hardwick, who, uh, I don't know. I know not everyone watching this watches power. Omari Hardwick is an incredible actor and he's, he is oh, yeah. the most fun character in this to me. I loved Omari Hardwick's character. I love Tig Notaro's character. Um, there's some weird things with Tig Notaro where like you could tell they had to they had filmed most of Chris Delia's stuff when they brought right. Tignataro in. And it's kind of evident at times, but it works. Uh, she's impeccably funny. The whole cast works well together. You got to um, say that
2: that's pretty impressive. that. Oh, it's very impressive. In that much. Absolutely. And it still it's, works. It's very impressive.
3: Uh, you know, like there's a scene, and they released it online. So this isn't much of a spoiler. It's a, it's a scene from earlier in the movie where they recruit Tignataro's character. And you see uh, Dave Batista, and uh, I can't remember the, the name of his character, Scott Ward, I can't remember the name, uh, Cruz is the other character. They walk up to a fence at like this helicopter base to recruit Tignataro, and she's on the other side of the fence with the helicopters. And it was very clearly two different things that were shot in two different like places, but it was set up so, so well, like it, it was obvious, but in a way that didn't bother you, you know, because they really put the care into making it work. Um, you know, by the time to the third act, I think kind of drags a little bit, as it gets into the final action of it. Uh, but it's really exciting throughout. And the the zombie mythology that's built in here is really interesting, uh, because it's not just a simple zombie movie and it's not like even world war Z where they're just fast and crazy. You have uh, some alpha zombies who are, they have control, they communicate, they have rules. Uh, they have a society kind of inside Vegas and they control these other zombies and, I don't I don't want to get anything else because there's so many more things that kind of like you get glimpses of through the movie. And there's some things that aren't answered or addressed at all. You know, that's why they kind of announced these prequel things in the anime series because there is just so much to unpack. And I I applaud Snyder for not wanting to dive into every single detail in this movie because I think that can be his tendency sometimes. And he, he did a great job of kind of restraining that and saying, okay, like let's leave this for something else. We can put hints here. And it, it's not one of those things where, Oh, all, like this important questions on answer. And I can't really appreciate this movie. It's just little details that you don't need to know to enjoy it. Um, it it's, it's probably my favorite Snyder movie since dawn of the dead. Um, I, I really, really like what he does with the, with the undead and with zombies. And I think just the nature of zombies being serious and deadly but also like being kind of a ridiculous concept when you think about it is a great thing for Zack snyder it's a great thing to bring his tendencies and his vision to life because it has the best of both worlds so i mean i highly encourage watching army of the dead it comes out in in theaters a week before netflix so like if there's a theater around you that's playing it and it's safe or you're vaccinated or whatever like this this is going to be a fun movie to watch on a really big screen. I mean, I watched it on my TV in my living room, and that didn't feel big enough. So if you have a chance to see it in a the theater, I I would suggest that just because it is so big and so fun. The zombie tiger is cool. It, it's it's hard to really dive into without talking about spoilers but I have a whole review of What the of, hell are
1: you talking you know? about? You've div- you've dived all over this thing. I know? feel like I'm saying the same kind of stuff over <laughs> and I over feel, again. You feel like yeah. you just uh, given a preamble I feel here? I like I'm going in circles.
3: <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> it's know, it's, it's good.
0: for anyone who hasn't read the review <laughs> oh, like it, you know we actually have a question um is it better than the Snyder cut asks Alex Cost Oh boy,
2: don't get don't get I mean
3: Kofi don't we're going to break the Snyder cut. I liked it. I've, it wasn't my favorite thing, but I enjoyed it. Mm, I I like this better. This is something I actively like. I'm really into. And part of it was just my disconnection with after <laughs> after everything. Like I wanted the Snyder Cut to, to exist. I'm glad it exists. You know, for Zach because I think he, he earned that. Um, I'm never gonna like be fully in love with a four hour movie. That comment is amazing. By the way, I think Army Army of the
1: Days is, is. So there you have it. We're gonna J- cut J- the off here. Fire. JD right. Smith, digital artist, has a great. <laughs> Charlie, drink some water after that monologue. There you go. Y'all told me to talk. I did. You did, but I'm just amazed that you're like. I it was I'm not beautiful. That. Oh my god! Right. we got We're you back, Charlie. It, Charlie. That's Charlie. Great. Charlie likes Army. Our Army of the Dead. He thinks it's the best thing Snyder's done since Dawn of the Dead, and uh, he likes Zack Snyder back. More Zack Snyder zombie movies. All right, <laughs> there you have it. And uh, no, it's not a sequel. It's a standalone thing. Somebody asked. Chase Duvernay asked, "Is it a sequel?" There will no? be prequels, though. Yes, they're going to have an anime prequel and stuff like that. And, and, so. and there's a
3: prequel movie. That, uh, Matthias Schwarzfinger, Schwartzfer, the guy who plays uh, the safecracker in the movie, he is in the prequel. And um, uh, uh Natalie Emmanuel from uh, Game of Thrones and oh, Furious, she's in the, our, she's in the prequel movie too.
1: And our buddy uh, Joe, Joe's in it. Isn't yeah, it? so there's a bunch of people in the Joe prequel. Man, Manganello is in it. Yeah, so. Yeah. But uh, um, Matthias directed the prequel,
3: not Snyder. Uh, which I didn't know they, but they already shot it and it's done at least done, you know, principal photography. Um, But there's a lot of things that will be interesting to talk about when it comes out because of the little hints that I'd like that I would love to talk about right now, but I won't like little things, you know, you're like, wait, that's a, that's a that's its own thing and it's
1: completely unaddressed. Perfect. Universe setup. That's what we. There's a lot. There's discussing. a lot to dig into. All right, oh. that'll do it for our Army of the Dead review. Thank you, Charlie. That comes out uh, this Friday on Netflix. No, so this Friday in theaters, May 14th, okay. May 21st on Netflix. Okay, so this Friday on theaters. Next Friday, Netflix. Mm, that's a good strategy. All right, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we are going to have a surprise guest hop on and. <laughs> Stop it! The comments are just all, all just lit up today, man. You guys are on one today. Um, yes, we are going to take a break and we come back. We're going to have somebody jump on and give us a early review of Spiral from the Book of sauce So don't miss that. I seriously wonder if that music will ever stop scaring me. Every time we come back, I'm like, take a quick break. I look down and then that music just freaks me out. my
3: headphones on because I'm just, I'm not connected at all.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Rich knows how to get our attention. Rich, thank you. Uh, Well, back to our show. Let's bring on a special guest for our spiral review from the comic book editorial staff and our horror expert, Mr. Patrick, the Wolfman Kavanaugh, is with us.
4: Patrick! everybody. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm not that special, but thank you for the introduction. It's
3: a nice surprise. I I didn't read the show notes because I didn't want to spoil myself, so I didn't know you were coming.
4: Anybody on this? Charlie didn't read something?
3: It was purposeful. I wanted wanted to be surprised. Boy, the shots just keep
1: coming from Charlie. (laughs) I wanted to be surprised. Um, I'm a writer, not a reader, Pat. Yeah, I mean, anybody on this staff who has survived this long is special. So Uh-oh. patrick uh, yeah, been here with us for a minute. Uh, it's been a long break since we've had you back on the show, man. So it's good to have you back. And uh, you're here to give us a quick spoiler-free early review of Spiral from the Book of Saw. First, let's get some background. Patrick, how like well-versed are you in this? Did you stay through all the Saw madness all the way through all the seven films and then the reboot?
4: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I checked on our own site to find that I ranked every saw ahead of Jigsaw. Uh, So that was 2017. So uh, when I watched them all then, I realized I never need to watch all of them ever again. Um, I'm I'm familiar with them, but they're not necessarily something you need to go back to year after year to be like, oh, was... The, was the the car trap with the guy from Blinken Park getting his skin ripped off in four, or was it actually six, or was it three? It, it, it doesn't matter.
1: That's the most accurate kind of description of the Saw franchise I've heard, of the late Saw franchise. Because, yeah, I mean, I just go back and read the wikis. I, I I think I tapped out after four, and that last half about the Disciple and all that stuff, yeah, I tapped out. I came back for Jigsaw, which was Interesting until it wasn't because it was just like a weird prequel tease, but um, I am curious about this. So how does is Saul is spiral from the book of Saul the thing needed to kind of give this franchise a shot in the arm? Or is it going to be another flash in the pan like jigsaw?
4: Well, there's a, a lot of interesting things going on because this is from the book of Saw, but it's also from the mind of Chris Rock. Like he had a he met with the uh, head of Lionsgate at a wedding. I was like, you know, I really think the Saw movies are great, but they could use some jokes. Like, why don't they have any jokes in them? And so from that, it ended up being that Chris Rock like spearheaded this whole Movie he didn't he didn't uh, He didn't write it but he was the executive Producer starred in it so I think Everybody was really confused And concerned but excited About like is he just gonna do A parody of Saw like is He gonna make fun of the franchise Like what is it gonna be and it Ended up being no it was It's like 48 hours It's like lethal weapon it's like A buddy cop detective Comedy Uh, Not too much comedy, but it's it's a buddy cop murder mystery. And so, of course, Chris Rock is there and he is hilarious, uh, but he clearly has very much. He has a lot of respect for the franchise. And that is is very clear that that's like the the motivating factor of this movie.
1: Okay, so what would you say? Is there anything notably novel or besides the humor or different about the actual sawness of it all? Or is it pretty much the same package you know what you're going to get? Kind of like McDonald's.
4: (laughs) It is very much like McDonald's, um, except it's not so much a happy meal and you're probably not going to enjoy the prize you get. Uh, but no, I would say like the very the, the first hour. Definitely Thank you for good.
1: carrying that analogy much further. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> Impressive. It, it very much feels more like something along the lines of Seven. Like the first say hour is just this murder mystery, and you have these gruesome traps. Um, the as any Saw fan will tell you everyone is going to be unsettled and grossed out by a very specific and different trap. So even if you don't like Saw 3, there might be something in there that just like really gets under your skin. So it's going to be the same thing with this. Uh, One big difference with the traps in this is it doesn't feel like there was someone with an engineering degree who was responsible for creating them. Like they're, they're definitely a little bit more rudimentary, a little bit more grounded, a little bit more believable that a, you know, sadistic killer could whip this up in a few hours, as opposed to spending years uh, and working with NASA to actually pull off. Um, (laughs) But for as enjoying uh, as enjoyable as that first hour is, I would say, One of the the traps, if you will, that the movie falls into is like Saw has taught you to never believe anything you're seeing because you never know who the killer is going to be, who's really dead, who's really alive, what timeline you're in. So there's all of these these uh, shocking twists that you're expecting. So then when you get to the back half and there are shocking twists you're not as surprised by them. It doesn't feel as fulfilling to watch that, that magic trick pulled off because you've seen it coming, just knowing that it is spiral from the book of Saw.
2: Saw has been shyamalan if you will.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Saw's been Shyamalan for a while.
2: Yeah.
4: And that's the thing is uh, it's, Probably from like the second movie, like what James Wan and Lee Winnell did with the very first movie, it, it still holds up like it's still super inventive. It was an indie movie. It, you know, uh, came out of nowhere. And then both James Wan and Lee Winnell, like Invisible Man, Aquaman, uh, Furious 7, like they, The Conjuring, Insidious, like they have defined the horror genre for the past two decades, basically. So it's cool to see that original movie and see the nuggets of that ambition. And this, this movie was directed by Darren Lynn Bousman who directed saw two, II, three and four. And he, he, he does what he can. He takes it out of the darkness. He takes it out of the warehouse, out of the industrial basement. Like there's daytime scenes. There's people driving cars and having conversations. Like it's not this like, uh, a miserable experience full of just killing time to get to brutal eviscerations or anything. So it is mostly enjoyable. And I think longtime fans will appreciate the way they bring a fresh perspective while honoring the past. Whereas people like me who aren't devout Saw fans will probably just enjoy the, the first half of the movie.
1: I was muted. All right. Well, all right. it's pretty interesting. Uh, synopsis sounds like kind of a mixed bag. Would you rate this? My final question is, would you rate this
4: over or under jigsaw? Um For me, what it comes down to is there's saw, there's spiral. And then everything down here is just a roll of the dice. It's nice. all the same. It's all interchangeable. I don't care. It's it's <laughs> it's like ranking, you know, letters of the alphabet.
2: You know, it's like, Nicholas Cage would say, "High praise." That's high praise.
4: Exactly. Just in the words of Nicholas Cage. Yes. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's it's I would say Spiral obviously is a big uh, big ticket movie for horror fans that's coming out I do however want to plug next week uh, if you're looking for something a little off the radar a little uh, uh, more obscure that you should check out seance which is coming out on VOD next week and that's from the writer of your next and the guest and it's a it's a really fun like murder mystery haunted house uh, at, at a boarding school that uh, I think, People should, should definitely check out. If you're deciding between Spiral or something on uh, on TV, do that. Seance. All right. Well,
1: Patrick, thanks a lot for breaking that down and giving us some good context and perspective on uh, Spiral, the Book of Saw, and how it fits with the uh, Saw franchise and that whole experience. We appreciate that, man.
4: Thanks for having me. Thanks, All you. right. So... Moving right along, that was Patrick. He had no interest
1: in talking about the rest of the stuff we're going to do today. He Yeah, yeah. He just came in. He popped in for the cameo. We have twists and cameos in this show now. <laughs> so moving right along, we are now going to get into uh, Jupiter's Legacy, uh, the new Netflix series based on Mark Millar's series. Uh, Mark Millar, who wrote Kingsman and Kick-Ass and what's the other big things that Civil we've done? War. What's up? he wrote civil Civil war yes yeah yeah civil you know the original marvel civil war yeah um so yeah jupiter's legacy and i think this one is interesting and we're gonna talk spoilers about this i i've seen the first four episodes matt's seen five janelle's seen maybe four or five i think
0: i actually finished the whole thing oh wow yeah
1: (laughs) and charlie have you seen it all Oh, I quit after the first one. No way. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this is going to get good. All right. So Jupiter's Legacy, when we did the trailer, we discussed this briefly and we were all kind of like, eh, like, you know, it wasn't bad, but we've felt like we've seen this before, right? Like we saw heroes and, you know, this wasn't quite the boys or something like that. And we were kind of just like, you know, and it came out and it was in the same kind of time when Invincible was being hyped and we were like, eh, eh you know, like, this feels like a retread without being, very interesting. Um, I'll start by saying, since I had those low expectations, and like I said, we're going to talk spoilers for Jupiter's Legacy. Since we had low those low expectations going in, I was actually a little pleasantly surprised by this series. I don't think it's like the greatest thing ever, but I was pleasantly surprised by the level of intrigue it was created. I did not read the comic series. I am not like the biggest Mark Millar fan. So, I, I kind of jumped off his work year about the same time I jumped off of Frank Miller's work years ago. Um, but, yeah, it has enough intrigue in the first four episodes and good enough characters that it's carrying me more as like a mystery drama than a superhero show. Um, but it's enough to keep me going because I like the way the story's told, and then there's these flashbacks about, You know, if you haven't checked it out, it's about this. It's basically about Superman, this guy named the Utopian. And now he has a family. He has a super wife. He has two super kids. And he's this kind of ideal superhero with a code and all this stuff. But the world is changing. Villains are getting crazier. His kids are struggling to find their place in his shadow. And that's kind of the modern story. And then there's this flashback story to the events of how the Utopian and, and his family kind of got their powers and the mystery of that. Uh, And that's what's kind of propelling season one. And this show does a good job. Netflix has a whole venture with Mark Millar. They're building this whole Millar world. And I feel like the show also does a good job, almost like HBO's Watchmen, not as insightful or serious, but does a good job in the world building is, is interesting. There's a bunch of side characters a whole kind of celebrity superhero generation that are like the bratty kids of Hollywood, you know, these other kind of villains and stuff that feel like they're all going towards a larger purpose uh, in some really great kind of side characters from just common street crooks to, you know, yeah, different people in the flashbacks. And there's a whole world here, it feels like. and And it has been able to successfully pull me in. How about you guys, Janelle? Let's start oh with you gosh. because you
0: finished the whole dang thing. Yeah, finished
1: the whole dang thing. Um, yeah. Won't spoil it for me and Matt, but uh, okay, I, mean, I won't spoil. You-
0: I will just give my opinion. Uh, yeah. I thought it was going to be way more wholesome. I really thought it was going to be kind of like a uh, a little like lighter on on you know topics. And <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil. Actually, Charlie, this is really hard <laughs> to not spoil. Um, but I was actually pleasantly surprised. It is a little heavier than I expected.
3: We have a spoiler warning on the thing. You can I know. I know. Just, I, know. I, I
0: guess yeah, guys, I know. you don't want <laughs> <don't> to <wanna ruin laughs> it
3: out. for them. Really I really it.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um just don't spoil the ending for me and Matt because right. we're, we're watching oh, I Go think
0: ahead. that for me the it is extremely interesting in the flashbacks. I'm obs- I'm very dedicated to the backstory of how they got their powers. Um that is what kept me coming back. I didn't really care about the now. And I didn't really care about the, the family dynamic and the sister. She's off doing whatever she's doing. I just didn't really care. But the flashback and how uh, they got through like the Great Depression and, you know, the visions that he was having and that lead role. And it was it was done really well, I think. And um, I I will say the first episode did not suck me in because and I think it's because I didn't have enough of those flashbacks. Um, By the second episode, I got more of that, you know, from the past. And it was it was really exciting to watch that kind of unfold because I was just curious, like how and and my only criticism is that they just talk about the code so redundantly. It's just like it's just if you're binge watching this show, it's the code, the code, the code, but the code, the code, the code. And it's just kind of like, okay, just get back to the story of like how you got your powers and you know, why the word Jupiter is in the title. (laughs) Like That's pretty much. And I enjoyed it. I really did. Um, I'm probably going to rewatch it again with more of a critical eye because my fiance didn't get to watch it and I binged it and he really wants to check it out. So I will. I will definitely uh, go in. Oh, I
3: feel sorry for you, Janelle.
0: I really liked it, but I also really like a couple of those actors a lot. So I like just seeing them in general. But yeah, I was. I don't know. It wasn't terrible. I, I
1: just. I'm going to say the real hook with me was I liked the fight in the first episode. Uh, that's where they fight the kind of Hulk or Dark Side. They fight against Mark not Hulk. Dark Side. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked that actually. That that kind of turned me on to. Okay, this show actually will have action chops in it and violence. Like, whoa, like you know, this will get heavy with the violence. But it was where I realized that I was most interested in a what is essentially a knockoff Batman Superman story um, that really kind of hooked me. Is because a utopian Superman and there is a character who they reference in the first thing lightly. But as the flashbacks go on, if you are a comic book fan, you begin to realize like, oh, OK, like this dude's Bruce Wayne. And and like, you know, in this universe and is going to become Batman, the guy in the first
3: episode that he ran into outside of the bank before the the stock market fell
2: apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, well, so I know that, become, I know that
2: face. He's got a bigger role George, coming. Right? You're talking about. George. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 And I was like, okay, now this is interesting. And just seeing that whole kind of Batman Superman dynamic, and knowing that it, where it's going to lead because they tease it was is also what's kind of keeping me hooked through these episodes. Secondly, I don't know his name, but my boy with the uh, teleporting wand is like, oh yeah, he's great. I, yeah, yeah. Every time oh, he goes screen, strength. yeah, like I, I'm like, yeah, I think his name is Hutch.
0: Yeah, he Um, was great.
1: Yeah. George's kid. I loved that actor, too. And that was the reveal we just got, like, at the end of episode three or four is like, oh, he really is tied into all of this. And he has a teleporting stick in the ways that he just because he seems like he's a low level threat in the beginning. And like he has all these heavy people. And then there's just this great episode in this turnaround scene where he just like calmly demonstrates that, like, no, I'm one of the most powerful People in this in this whole get up, and you're like, whoa! And he's a great actor. And well, and, and if you like good. him,
2: you're going to absolutely love episode five. Oh, awesome! I <laughs> hope it <isn't>. I hope <laughs> cool. There's so much delight. Like so okay, so two things. One, uh, because I saw Jim reference it in the chat uh, when they announced, like when when Millard did this whole deal. There are several books that I was pulling for to be made and one of them is being made now ahead of jupiter's legacy um so like the magic order which is like one of my favorite uh series is being developed for netflix that's the one i really want i also really want prodigy both of those series are fantastic and that is at is best so if you do want to read those series like i suggest you go get those now because those are fantastic and those will be coming to netflix at some point so that was one of the things when like this was announced i was like oh, they're starting with that one <laughs> was the one I'm least interested in. Um, and then after that dud of a trailer, I was not very high. I was not very high on the series. Um, but what I will say is, I think, man, probably because the bar was low, because I came in without huge expectations, uh, the, ep- the first episode is a bit of a grind. But probably by, like, right maybe past the 75% mark through that episode, I was... I was in, like, I wouldn't say it's like, it was, you know, I have to watch it right now, you know, that kind of thing. But I was like, I I want to keep going. I want to learn more about these characters. I want to learn more about this world. And to me, honestly, this is one of the shows that really benefits from binging. I can, if this was a weekly release, I would probably have dropped it just because other stuff comes in or whatever. Binging, I feel. DVR for sure. Binging helps this because, because I went right into the next one. The second episode is what really hooked me. And and I'm, I mean, I've been watching these pretty uh, you know, back to back to back, uh, as life permits. And I'm glad that like I can go finish, like I'm on the final episode. I'm glad I can go finish and really like this show has hooked me and it has issues. Like, there's the way and mine actually aren't with most of the storytelling. Mine isn't really with the pacing. My issues are more with like the way things are shot. It's, it's weird. Like we're, we're so used to superhero action being so fluid now. And so feels like it like jumped right out of the comic that here. It's so weird to like, see them hover and like they approach the ground and it's like, that looks so awkward. Why does that look awkward? (laughs) Why does the, when they throw a punch or when they get ready to throw a punch, everything is like, it's like two thousands superhero stuff where it was like kind of waiting for things to catch up you know the tech wasn't quite there the wire work wasn't there it's weird how the fights still have that kind of feel to them where we are now and they put a lot of money into this so you know like it's it's shot well it looks nice like there's money right so i'm kind of like why is that the case so that always kind of takes me out sometimes of the middle of really thrilling fights where it cuz it just looks <laughs> it looks off but as far as the the narrative when they really start planting the, you know, how utopian and how the rest of the group got their powers and the quest to go find them, you know, as things turn out, right. That stuff. And like the issues with his dad and like seeing his dead father, you know, like in his, all that stuff is really good. I I really enjoyed it. And especially as we get further into the series, the stuff with him and George, uh, you know, like, that stuff and that relationship and seeing where, how that started and seeing how it got to the end and seeing where, you know, his son how Hutch kind of plays into it Um I agree, I think the I will say like, I think Utopian probably can stand right there with Reed Richards <laughs> and Xavier as like worst superhero dad, <laughs> it's terrible Uh he's always saying the wrong thing and I did love though, there's a reveal, uh, I think it was in episode 5, but if it if it i don't want to, if it was episode 4 i don't want to say if it's in episode 1 cuz i'm gonna spoil things but essentially there's a reveal of like who utopian is talking to and that was really interesting like there's a lot of really cool swerves uh in this and big I, swerve
0: in last episode too and it's rewarding okay so like, like you're like oh, okay now i i need to know what's gonna happen next
2: i think they do that really really yeah. well like by the end of each episode i was like yeah i got to watch i got to watch the next one they do a really good job of that i agree that the kids and, like, their issues with the dad and, like, the code. But the code gets addressed in a really cool way in, I believe, episode five. So, like, again, most of the stuff that was either annoying me or kind of, you know, I was unsure about, ended up getting resolved or at least addressed in some way that was satisfying to me. So I, I yeah, I really dig this series. And I, I'm, I'm excited to finish it. Um I I did not plan. I did not see this coming. I would not say this is Batman Fortnite levels of like, oh, my God, it's so good. How the hell is it this good? But I will say, like, I was really I'm really intrigued. And like, if they do a season two, I'm in. I'm probably in unless the finale just blows me somewhere where yeah, I'm just like, I'm definitely I don't in get for it.
0: First season two, just with how they left it, for yeah. sure.
2: The magic order, for sure.
0: yeah.
1: Alright, so there you have it. Trooper's Legacy. Charlie, you said you didn't make it past episode one. Just come on. Is, your grenade.
3: I mean, I've been told by everybody it gets better in, in the latter half of the season. I don't have time for that. This, The writing is bad. It, it, is, it is a dull looking thing, which is so frustrating because the best thing about the comic is Frank Quitely's art and they didn't bother to bring over like any sense of his style or color or pose- like none of that made it to the show. The like, what is that awful beard? It's so fake and terrible. Even in the flashbacks, like there's like mid flashbacks. We just kind of have some gray hair. Like it, it all looks bad. There's a well, scene in the first episode where Josh DeMille's father jumps off a building. And I have not laughed so hard in years, the way that he screams, like, nah! it was so Absurdly overacted and terribly written. <laughs> I'll be right down. And he, ju- oh my god, it was. I've it was one of the pilots I've had the hardest the hardest time watching. Like everything in it was just another reason for me to not keep watching it. I will I was, say, I don't I was agree with that bad. It was bad. It's the best part of that, though. I will yeah. say, Mark mean, Mark I mean, Miller I mean, it's is a best part of anything.
2: I, I don't love. I don't. That's over- the like, and even I in don't New like I how <laughs> Mark Miller
3: tells a story. He he's one of the best idea people in comics, but execution wise, he always has these grand ideas and never exactly knows how. Oh, that's so to, untrue! I I, so just, untrue. I disagree. Yeah. I think that I think that Matthew Vaughn has done us all a giant disservice by making Mark Millar look good. Well, those kickass, means- that kickass, and Kingsman were great movies. And because of that, Mark Miller got a big Netflix deal that I don't think is going to turn out quite well over the years because Matthew Vaughn is not making the stuff. That is it so just, reductionist. Mm, yeah, no. I, 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 oh, don't, I don't. Magic this
2: is Order's what people fantastic. come to this podcast for. of Kickass are great. I, I love the original Civil War. I will also say, like, there's. I, I, I think there's a civil war. Pretty good. I
3: think civil war is pretty good. I'll, I'll I'll be with you there. Well, Have you, you think the King ass comic nemesis. isn't bad.
2: We just want Nemesis. That's Nemesis that's is the, great too. It's yeah, just tied that's, up what, in we're that's what we're here for. That's what we're here Limbo, but yeah, Nemesis is fantastic. Like, I'm sorry, like he his work, his comic work, it cannot be reduced to just like, oh, it's just great ideas. Like there are. He does have duds. Don't please don't like get me wrong. But like, that's too far to me.
3: No, he's Mark Miller has like, like uh, Kofi said, he has had a very Frank Miller esque career where it's like, Oh, you had a good thing. And then you just got with the ideas and you got too far in them. And now you don't know what to do with them. And it just isn't coming across the way you think it is. And it all kind of feels lackluster for the last 15 years. And, it just, I don't. Know, it, it doesn't work for me. Most of what he has written, I mean, Reborn started off so good. We're the first like three or four issues of Reborn that he made with? Um, oh, I
2: love Reborn. Uh,
3: what was the, the, it's the so artist? Um, it's Capullo. Capullo, yeah. It yeah, was it's and, fantastic. And the first two, and then the end is trash. It that has is, been one of the um, worst endings.
2: Okay, well we could be um, on this all day, so we are not. We could and, have and that and that started is, it, so it started garbage. great. It started great It's not trash. Great. Also, yes, Jim. I don't like his artwork. I never have. And we disagree on JR too. And I don't like his artwork either. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard
1: somebody say, I got to go back to that Frank Quietly book and and just take in the visuals again. Like, no, I mean – it makes me, it's, apparently, it's one. Apparently, it,
3: I can't be taken seriously because I have toys on
2: my shelf. Yeah. So. Uh, that was a hilarious comment, by the way, about the uh, toy <laughs> <laughs> I love Jim. But, Jim's all caps reactions are amazing, by the way. Oh, uh, good lord. All right. Well, we're going to not settle this here. But uh, Jupiter's Legacy,
1: I think the consensus is if you can make it to episode two <laughs> and you can get in, it, it starts to kind of pick up a little bit. But uh, still, I mean, I think our original statement still holds true. This is just, this may be too middling to to really kind of get the purchase it needs right like it it just feels like it's going to be here people will some people will enjoy it and then it'll be gone and without much hype whereas it's going to get lost behind invincible the boys these other superhero series that are that are out here for us so I'm going to finish it because, uh, like I said, I've been enjoying what I see. But, um, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how this Malar thing unfolds. All right. Now that we've already started throwing grenades about comics, Matt, we <laughs> might as well get into this week's books.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to let's get started. Well, actually, let's get started with let's stay on. Um, let's go with DC. I'm going to I'm going to change this out because I know Janelle is a big future state fan, so we are going to be talking about future state gotham which of course uh is a series that spins out of uh actually surprisingly uh the i was kind of expecting more short stories is actually just mostly one longer story about the red hood so if you were keeping tabs on red hood during future state and what he was doing and how he's kind of working with the magistrate by hunting other vigilantes um that's where we pick up from here um there's not a ton of uh, of like recap here. So like to me, like if you weren't reading Future State, you're probably going to be like completely lost uh, of like, what's going on. They do a little bit of of recap, but not not a ton um, to give you kind of the context here. But uh, it's also all black and white. And uh, that actually surprised me because, again, like the covers, it's like all in color and they didn't really go out of their way. Typically, DC goes out of the way to kind of um, and Marvel too. To kind of spotlight like, hey, this is going to be, you know, like a very like kind of throwback uh, black and white book. And they didn't really do that here. So, again, a couple of different expectations <laughs> turned upside down when reading this. Uh, but it's just continuing his story. So, I mean, um, you find like they address Ravager and him and things that have happened there. You also kind of see uh, why he's working with um The magistrate, you don't necessarily get all the answers yet. Uh, And then that kind of final page hook uh, is to, I guess, kind of bring some of those to light next month. So um, that's kind of the recap of the issue. I mean, I, it wasn't what I was expecting. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. So kind of going into it, I was a little, I was excited because I really like what they did with Gotham and Batman, the Batman world in general and future state. And I was a little let down. Um, And the, and the second story that's in there is really in no way related (laughs) to too much of anything. Uh, So that one was also like, uh, I would have rather have gotten another backup story set in the future state world about, you know, Oracle or about Cassandra or Stephanie, like some, someone else that was in that world. Uh, But you know, who knows? So Janelle, what did you think?
0: (sighs) I hate being neutral. I hate not having like a really big opinion, but I just, it was, it was, it was okay, it was there. Right. Uh, I didn't hate the black and white at all I, I and I understood what was going on. I followed. um I guess it's uh it's a first issue, right? So it's supposed to suck me in. Is that what yep. we've discussed? Um, yep. I'm intrigued, but I'm not super pumped. I'm not like, yeah, I gotta read everything on this, but you know, very I'm neutral on it. I'm glad I read it, but if I hadn't. It's okay, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, a, it's it's pretty good. Yes, hand up, Charlie. Yes, yes.
3: We just, just some breaking news came across. I know we sometimes <gasps> do this. Uh, the next person was cast in Knives Out too, joining Dave Bautista and Ed Norton and Daniel Craig, and it's Janelle Monáe.
0: Hey! You nice! Oh, this is I love be a her. weird film, man. That's going to be amazing. Weird.
2: Sorry, yeah, right here. Here.
0: That's yeah. amazing. I'm actually <laughs> pumped about that.
2: That's great, Janelle Monae is awesome in it. That cast just keeps um, getting better, man. Oh yeah. my gosh! Anyway, sure. no, um, that's
0: it. I, that's my yeah, that show. <laughs> yeah.
1: Kofi, what you think, Matt? Did you touch on like why this book has no like color in it? It was just like
2: DC's leftovers. Uh, yeah, I I actually don't know. I don't actually know why it doesn't because that was my thing. I don't dislike it. We've talked about some of the anthologies like Batman Black and White, obviously, and some other yeah. things that like I like it. Um, but typically, again, like I know ahead of time. Like I know going into the issue what I'm getting. So here it was just kind of a surprise. Maybe I missed the announcement or maybe I missed the thing of like, hey, why this is that way? I don't know. Did you pick up on, on something of why or was that just... I just a- felt
1: like this was like future state leftovers. They were just like, eh, we did some work on it. Get it out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we I, moved I, past I, this whole thing, but eh, get it out there. We'll see what we get. Um, but um, no, I mean, I've been interested, I think, of future state, that whole thing... The Batman world was the most interesting part of it, and it's still relevant because the main Batman books are starting to build that up. And we're and we're actually heading towards that future state event that we read about the magistrate and the peacekeepers and all that stuff. And so this stuff is still relevant and I could see why they would put it out just to give you an expand did preview of like where red hood is going and you know, what's going to happen in these once the magistrate really becomes a thing. So I read it and I like Jason Todd's character. I still don't think this is anything new for him. This whole like undercover thing. It's like, okay, this is obvious. He's still just Jason Todd uh, and he's still going to be somewhat semi conflicted with the Batman family and still kind of doing his own thing. So there's nothing really new here. Um, I really would like to find something new for this character for the brief moment. I thought like, Oh man, he really is a peacekeeper. Like that was interesting. Like yeah. if Jason was really hunting the Batman family. Like that would be interesting to me. Um, So there's not quite, they still, I don't think DC, I think Red Hood is the Boba Fett of the DC universe. Like he looks real cool. He's iconic. His story is kind of iconic, but what to do with him actually in the storytelling is still, difficult and escapes DC in large part. Um, I mean, <laughs> we saw what happened in the three Jokers thing when they tried to include him and it just got weird with Batgirl, right? Right. Like, yeah. It, and that was like the most relevant red hood story in the past few years because of his past with Joker and all that stuff. But um yeah, I feel like they don't know quite what to do with him. But I would love to see a story where that stops being like an undercover thing and he actually he, whether it's you know through coercion and brainwashing or just for some legitimate organic character development reason is really the guy hunting the Batman family, because that adds an element of danger. And, and, you know, he'd be really formidable in that way. So
2: agreed. No, agreed for sure. And uh, I feel the same way on that character. Um, It feels like they don't want to go one extreme or the other because they, they don't want to go too far one way because they want to make him redeemable, right? They want to make him that, they don't want to alienate people from him either way, but you kind of have to, like, like they learned with Hal Jordan, to get any movement, they have to alienate some people to push the character into interesting directions. Uh, so next, we're going to talk Marvel uh, book I was very excited for. Uh, X-Corp uh, is the number one is the brand new addition to the X-Men, the growing X-Men universe. Um, you can check out my full uh, long winded book. Review <laughs> on comic book.com. So I won't take up uh, too much time here, but essentially this puts uh, Warren Worthington, the third angel and Monet St. Croix uh, M or penance now uh, as she is called. And they are essentially for those who kind of remember the X corporation uh, from back in the day. Uh, this is kind of taking that same concept, but very much, it, it it makes a lot of sense with the way this kind of post Krakoa society is with the X Men. Um, it fits right. They're not just branching into pharmaceuticals, but they're also branching into trade with like the Hellfire Club. And here it's kind of like, well, here's all these other business ventures that we can kind of influence and and push into, um, and also further the goals that we have. And so they are kind of going to be leading. Uh, this charge. And there's going to be some other people that get trinary and multiple man as well, who multiple man steals the show uh, a lot uh, in all of his scenes. Um, I just love these books that kind of play with, uh, I described it as kind of taking a little bit of like West Wing, the walk and talks that they do are fantastic. And then taking a little bit of like billions and some of the corporate, um, you know, drama and intrigue, there, kind of going to all these different countries. There's an international feel here. Uh, that's really interesting. And it's something that Marauders does with all the political intrigue and stuff. And it balances with like big action. And here it's kind of going for the same thing. Uh, so I, I think it got off to a really fun start. I really dug it. Um, but, uh, you know, what did you guys think? I'll
0: go first. I, I'm really interested to see where it's going. I, again, I don't have the biggest background on X-Men. We all know this. Uh, But I didn't feel totally clueless. And I actually really enjoyed this book. I'm super interested in Angel, uh, this character that I don't know a lot about. And um, I think they did a good job of being really intriguing here. Um, I just I love the like bold coloring and the art. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. This might be one of my first like X-Men that I'm really pumped about. Yeah.
2: Yay! Yay! We got Janelle on an next Yay! book. When, ironically, X Corp and Way of X are the two that like we got Janela. I did yeah. not see <laughs> that coming. Uh, Kobe, what you think?
1: Marauders, this ain't. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum here. I thought this was boring as hell. Like in this new X Men world. I know there's a lot to build, and I and kind of the nature of their setup of having their mutant nation of Krakoa actually be its own real sovereign nation with all the kind of political, social, and, you know, economic impacts that come with it. And this is dealing with one aspect of that, which is, you know, the, the public image, the economic part, and kind of, you know, what it says it's, it's a mutant corporation, right. Um, using these two very, Affluent, And this was the hook that I thought was the most interesting thing was putting these two affluent characters together, uh, Monet and Warren Worthington, who come from, you know, the uppercase of society and their respective societies before, you know, all this mutant stuff. And I but it it was just it was a talkie like it was very much a talkie. Like you said, it was very West Wing Sorkin with kind of quippy conversations, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I found it really kind of just ultimately boring and and kind of a slog to get through as a first issue. And I, I it doesn't sustain me on like, what is the actual appeal of having this book month to month? Like, and I don't think it yet has enough of a unique, quirky identity to to kind of compete. Like, that's Marauders. Like, Marauders made a whole issue of just saying goodbye to Storm into this quirky, awesome conversation and flashback in storm anthology story built around how many knives does she have hidden on her person? Like Marauders does this stuff. That's like, wow, I've never seen an X-Men comic do this. And it fleshes out the actual world in my new details of this new Krakoa house of X era, but it does it in a much more interesting way. This doesn't feel like it's as interesting, like for a mutant corporation, this seems kind of cut and dry and kind of boring so far. Uh, and Monet, who is and Monet has always been kind of a weird fall flat character for me.
2: Oh, okay, that uh, and, also makes sense then.
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm not digging the werewolf thing. Like this is Wolf Bane, Wolf Spain territory with her and pennant, and like it's it's not as good as Hulk. It's not as good as Wolf Spain, and it's like that's not Monet. I want to see. I want to see Monet step and be step up and be more like Emma Frost, and like more like. I'm a badass, like uppercase, wealthy, elite, you know, and a mutant and like a beauty queen. But I'm also a monster, like, you know, and embrace all that and see her kind of move and shake things in the corporate world. Like X Corp coming in and just, you know, muscling in corporate world and be like, nah, we're doing things differently. Like that would be interesting to me and kind of taking on. And I don't feel like the book doesn't quite have the teeth in that way that it that it could have yet.
2: No, I totally I, I get that. Uh, I, I like the Monet stuff that she, you know, was dealing with um, because, like, in previous stories with her, right, we kind of saw that slow change over to, like, having some of those abilities and kind of moving over to where she couldn't control certain things or they were kind of uh, bringing other elements to her character other than just, which I adore Emma Frost. She's one of my favorite characters. But I also don't want Monet to be, like, diet Emma Frost, right? I want her to like have some other I thought this was interesting. I want to see what they do with it going forward. Um it is a talkie like there's not nearly as much action in this as there would be in like a Marauders book. But I also think we can get there. Um and I think at some point we can kind of have those moments of just like this issue was literally a Seinfeld episode about it, nothing, right? It yeah, was about it felt one. lead like up for sure. Right.
0: But um, I but it helped me understand what was happening for sure.
2: Agreed. So yeah, so that's uh, the side of the X-Men world. Uh, There were a couple other books, uh, and you can check out all of our uh, reviews on comicbook.com, but that's comics.
1: All right, that's the end of our main show. Before we get out of here, um, I just want to do some quick mentions. Uh, I'm going to talk, me and Charlie have been talking in our own side chat for the past couple of weeks about Mayans, uh, the Sons of Anarchy spinoff, just completed season three. And I've said it to Charlie before, I think he's finally started to come around to me. I enjoy Mayans more than Sons of Anarchy, and I love Sons of Anarchy. I, I was Sons of like a big fan of that, but I think Mayans, I think Kurt Sutter has begun to grow more as a storyteller, and in kind of developing this as like a weird sequel series to Sons, has a lot more to say and and does a lot more thematically with this series and the characters and the complexity of the men in this gang than than Sons was, um, and. This season has been great, and I was kind of wondering how they would deal with like the pandemic and, you know, the political, social, political reality of things. And they did a great job of not letting that stuff and being heavy handed about it, but using that backdrop to kind of organically push these characters into a more desperate situation and world.
3: It all feels very real and very grounded in in at least the, you know how they like, like the stuff like it's, it's a border town. So everything dealing with the border and with immigration and you know, how that has been handled over the past few years, like it all is very real in this world and not in a way like, like Kofi said, doesn't feel heavy handed. It, it is just, it's very real for these characters because it's the life they've always lived and dealing with things they've always dealt with, but now with a much more heightened, you know, sense of, of panic and, and, and uh, danger, you know, with it being so prevalent.
1: So, yeah, I mean, and Mayans, I'm in the middle of going through the last episode now. Charlie's seen it, but uh, yeah, the penultimate episode was, woo, that was some pretty tense
3: TV. Yeah. One of, the harder, of both shows, one of the harder episodes to watch. I mean, I watched, I've been behind about other things to watch, and I watched most of season three yesterday. I think I watched like seven hours of Mayans last night. And uh, I do not recommend that. This show is very painful it is a i mean i recommend the show very very much but like this season especially is is sorrow and and dealing with the consequences of your actions and the choices of people that came before you and it's just there are times when it just feels helpless and that's frustrating but also like that's a reality for a lot of people and it really kind of drives that home and I think that this show pound for pound through three seasons is much better than sons was through three seasons. You know, this, it did have the added, you know, benefit of coming after sons, but, um, it also, like we said, it really is dealing with the complexity of these characters in ways that sons had so much focus on one or two characters. And then a little bit with all these other guys, whereas this really dives into each of the characters and gives them a, like their own time. i mean there's, there's this character named, named taz uh or taza who had it almost works. nothing going on the first two seasons and now it he's works. like a main character coco is dealing with like it deals with addiction it deals with you know with ptsd really heavily with easy uh, D- uh danu danu the plug the, the pug uh it's on hulu uh every episode of the whole series is on hulu to watch um asking yeah, somewhere to stream it there in the comments um it, it is a heavy show but it is It is really good i I really think that you know kurt kurt sutter left ahead of season three and i think that you can see the differences i think what he was doing with the show was excellent but you can see the differences in elgin james the show and are really taking it as his own uh and making it like more about those those guys it just quick
1: quick mentions here we go So Mayans watch Mayans. There we go. On the other side, uh, I just want to plug, we're getting a new Dragon Ball super movie. Finally, Dragon Ball super is moving. We're getting a new movie in 2022. It's going to be original. They're going to do more reinvention Will we ever get a series again. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah. So that was it for my quick mentions, Matt, you had a couple things you wanted to mention. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So
2: not to Hollywood. Aha. See, I follow people. (laughs) <laughs> i did it uh so uh quick mentions uh real quick uh you in front of a camera hollywood <laughs> <laughs> assassin's creed valhalla has a its first expansion wrath of the druids uh you will see my full impressions uh in review of the uh new content later today uh so check the site for that uh but you know we head to ireland and i'm not gonna do an irish accent because i would not put that on everybody so but i will say we head to ireland uh, there's some cool so, some new mechanics and some new things introduced into the game also uh lichens oh man that's awesome like there's some really cool stuff uh that's in there uh, but again it's also more of assassin's Creed Valhalla. so if you didn't like that game i don't know if this will win you over uh and then next uh hood outlaws and legends uh is the new four v4 um robin hood style game where you're picking different classes and you're trying to uh get to the vault and get the treasure and you're like having to pickpock uh, pickpocket the sheriff of nottingham um it does not kind of like we talked about with outriders. it does not make the best first impression there was some of that i can't get through the opening screen i can't get a match to start i had to restart the tutorial because literally in the middle of the tutorial the first thing you interact with was like nope error and i was like oh my god <laughs> i can't i can't do this but after several matches now it, it does hook you there's a really interesting loop there so uh you can see uh my impressions on that game probably sometime uh this week uh so we kind of got we got stuff late on that one so uh (laughs) i'm trying to work my way through it as fast as possible uh so yeah so that's quick impressions for that
1: all right thanks matt that'll do it for this episode of comic book nation we want to thank you guys for tuning in as always we put up new episodes every wednesday live on twitch facebook and youtube at 12 noon if you like the show you can watch us there if you miss the show you can replay on any of those platforms after we're done or listen on streaming or uh, download the episode audio on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and google podcast or tell any smart home device to fire up comic book nation podcast if you want to follow the show you can follow us at the at comic book nation Twitter handle, or you can check us out individually. I am at Kofi outlaw. I am Matt Aguilar CB.
0: I am at Janelle Wheeler.
3: And I'm at Charlie
1: Ridgely. Thank you. I didn't expect that to go so quickly or so smoothly but uh, thank you right, if you like the show go on Apple Podcasts leave us a 5 star review otherwise we will see you next Wednesday if you want some more comic book content check out our Phase Zero podcast our Marvel podcast on Fridays thank you guys for tuning in again this has been Comic Book Nation we're out